when, when when do you stand? You know, here we are heading into year two. I mean, when are you going to stand? When when have you reached the threshold? When is it time to declare that Jesus is Lord? And so at some point, that time has to come. If it never comes, then that's concerning. Amen. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. Oh my gosh, another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast. How are you doing tonight, Jazzy? I'm doing great. Oh my gosh. You said that so fast. I'm super excited. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast. I spoke clearly and enunciated. I don't think so. You're mean. Put it in the comments. (laughs) Well, anyway, tonight we are super excited to have on with us uh, Pastor James and not Pastor, but his wife, Aaron Coates. I'd always get weird saying Pastor James and Aaron Coates because it's like, wait. I know that there are situations where that happens, but is that actually, that's not what's happening here. Um, <laughs> before we get started, though, uh, in, in honor and remembrance of the fact that uh, Pastor James Coach found himself in prison, I wanted to read briefly from the Breedlove papers, which uh, were penned for all of you out there by Thomas Breedlove, uh, who was uh, basically taking court stenography notes in Britain from 1660 to 1675. And in that, he caught the proceedings um, around John Bunyan's trial. Uh, and there's some, if you, if you have a chance, you just search breed love papers, John Bunyan, and many of them will open up some of them longer than others, but they are epic. And, uh, I will breed just this one instance, uh, in the court case. This is after the judge has laid out the charges for John Bunyan. And, um, they're basically asking John Bunyan for his reply. So judge Wingate asks, In that case, then, this court would be profoundly interested in your response to them. That would be the charges. And here's John Bunyan's answer in brief. He says, Thank you, my lord. And may I say that I am grateful for the opportunity to respond. Firstly, the depositions speak the truth. I have never attended services in the Church of England, nor do I intend to ever do so. Secondly, it is no secret that I preach the word of God whenever, wherever, and to whomever he pleases to grant me the opportunity to do so. Having said that, my lord, There is weightier issue that I'm constrained to address. I have no choice but to acknowledge that my awareness of the law, which I am accused of transgressing. Likewise, I have no choice but to confess my guilt in in the transgression of it. As true as these things are, I must affirm that I neither regret breaking the law nor nor repent of having broken it. Further, I must warn you that I have no intention in future of conforming to it. It is, on its face, an unjust law a law against which honorable men cannot shrink from protesting. In truth, my Lord, it violates an infinitely higher law, the right of every man to seek God in his own way, unhindered by any temporal power. That, my Lord, is my response. And I couldn't think of any better way to introduce uh, Pastor James Coates and his wife, Erin. How are you guys? You good? Yeah, we're doing well, thanks. Thanks for having us. We are excited to spend this time with you guys. And uh, we we do feel like we know you, because we've had so many awesome interactions, mostly with Aaron, because James is far too busy for us. Let's be honest. But uh, <laughs> it's Aww. just true. It's just true. And his voice and his social media presence. There you go. Throwing him under the bus. That was I messed. I up. just feel we like are like four minutes into this, and it's only because you read a four minute long quote. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. I just apologize. <laughs> Uh, we're super excited to uh, to have you guys on the podcast. Uh, we just wanted to give you guys a second. I don't think there's any possible way for anybody that listens to the Carpet Three Day podcast to not know who you are. But if there was, so who are you guys? Where are you from? And uh, and what do you guys do? 
Well, I'm James Coates. I am the pastor teacher at Grace Life Church. I have been for, well, I've been at Grace Life Church for 11 years. I, I forget how long I've been uh, the pastor teacher for, but I've been preaching in the pulpit of, of Grace Life for uh, just over 11 years now. Which means and, it seems like forever. Yeah. If you if you can't remember, it's been forever. Yeah, I mean, 11 years is is in one sense not much. In another, it's it's something, right? Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, we we uh, were the the church that became one of the, if not the, spotlights in this whole um, time of COVID nineteen and uh, the battle against um, between the church and government. And and so we were in the spotlight due to our stand for the headship of Christ over his church. Yeah, tyranny and oppression. I think we can tyranny and oppression against uh, the freedom of Christ. Oh, that's a topic we've, well, let's not, let's not digress. <laughs> we had some, we, we thought maybe, <laughs> we thought maybe if you're willing to, uh, to take us on a little journey, we had some questions we thought might be cool to talk through. Is that okay? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so, Pastor James, why did you take this stand in the midst of what what feels like forever? COVID nineteen. When did it start? I don't remember. It's been thirty years. I don't know when it was. <laughs> um, but why? Why did you take the stand? Well, I think like everyone, when the virus first hit, we were ignorant about its severity, and and obviously the government was telegraphing an apocalyptic like effect of this virus on human civilization, and so we. We reluctantly complied, even though we were pretty skeptical and suspicious of what was going on. As time went on, uh, we felt like we had enough information to be able to assess that the true severity level of the vaccine and, and to see that this was clear government, government overreach. And, uh, and we also had our ecclesiological convictions um, being tested and, and, and shining through that time and season to the point where we knew that in order for Christ to truly be head over Grace Life Church, we would have to defy the government and open our church and ultimately give it to every individual of our church to determine whether or not they were going to come and worship. So so this became for us, first and foremost, uh, an issue over the, the lordship and headship of Christ over his church. And so for us to comply with the governing authorities would basically be surrendering um, the supreme authority of the church over to Caesar letting Caesar dictate the terms of worship, which, of course, uh, that is rightfully the Lord's. And, uh, and so this became a clash of spheres of authority. And, and as, a, um, as a, an individual who has been invested with an authority over a, a particular sphere, in this case, the church, I believed it was my responsibility as well as the responsibility of our elders to, uh, to stand between the government and our flock. Yeah. And anybody who has over, you know, I would say maybe a fourth grade reading level and has read Hebrews 10 would also say with us, amen. Amen. Did amen. you say Hebrews? Which Bible book is that? Yes, the Hebrews, the book of the Hebrews. <laughs> Sometimes attributed time. to the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Paul. The Apostle Paul. The French Apostle. Oh my gosh. Well, this look, you knew what you were getting into. This is the podcast. This is the way it is. Anyway. Um, to be clear, everybody, I told them exactly what they were getting into before they started this journey. I was trying <laughs> – one of the things I was trying to do during this whole time, uh, I, I actually – I became acquainted with you, and I didn't even know you, uh, Pastor Coates. So during the lockdown, 
or whatever we want to call this. I don't know, perpetual <laughs> prison, purgatory. I don't know what this is exactly, but we are in the wormhole. The wormhole <laughs> that is what we are in. Um, we had a fam, our, our neighbors. So our, our neighbors uh, actually started, which we have a great relate. We had such a long and great relationship with. They, 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 their church was having. Uh, they were, they're just significantly more compliant. They're actually moving progressively into leftism inside the pulpit. It's actually very, it's very sad. Um, and they, they really wanted to step away from it. And obviously they knew that I was a pastor and eventually it was just like, look, our kids are playing together every day. Why are we wasting time with this? Let just come to church now. It's enough. <laughs> so, and they did. Um, and then about a week, uh, uh, geez, maybe a week later, she sent me this. No, that's not true. It was probably about two months later. She sent me, I think it was the sermon that you did uh, outlining the biblical response to why it was important to, to be the people of Christ meeting in physical proximity, um, which we were all on board with as a church. I think we were for our lockdowns. We, we missed three Sundays. Is that correct? I believe yeah. it's yep. three Sundays. And at that point we were like, this is ridiculous. This is not church. It's time. We, we need to be together. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, it only took three Sundays for us to actually watch the amount of viewers on our live stream drop, you know, go, go, oh, the church is watching. Thirds. And then the church is, eh, and, like, and, and then it was like, Bleh. nothing. And we're and like, like, what is this doing? This what is, are we doing? This is wrong. And, uh, and then it literally it was, they, they started coming and then literally it was like a month later. And she sent me this, this video of this awesome authoritative redhead pastor and he was just hammering all these points that we hammer. And my response was basically, uh, yes, all that, everything, everything he just said, that's, that's what, that's what we were doing. That's what, what we've said. That's what we believe we're on board. I'm on board with this all the way. And I didn't even know it was you. Um, <laughs> and then nine months later, uh, more or less you're put in prison. So, and then uh, thankfully the church got their head out of their butt and everybody kind of knew who you were, which is important. Um, so we're glad you took the stand and now, uh, having known why, <laughs> yeah. So, so what my my kind of interest is like. So, like our our state of New Jersey is run by very liberal people. Um, you know, we're we're basically like California East as far as policy goes. Um, so you know, like, but we're also very. Our church is a very small church, so we kind of fly under the radar very easily. But, um, you know, like in my mind, it's like, okay, church ninjas, church ninjas, <laughs> <laughs> completely lost my train of thought. Um, we fly under the radar, we fly under the radar. So, but anyway, but like, you know, if I, I try to, I'm like, all right, well, if this was me, you know, like what, what, what would I be thinking? Where, where would my head be like? And I think my, my head would be with my family. I'm like, what, what's going to happen to my wife and my children? So like, how did I, I feel like the. The, there was like a, a slow fade in Canada. I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like it was possibly like kind of, okay, at some point they're going to arrest me or try to arrest me. Or at some point there's going to be this stand that's going to be made. How did you as a family and how did you as a church family uh, prepare yourselves for that arrest? Uh, did you see it coming and how did you prepare for it? Well, I would say the first time that I thought, an arrest was a, was a possibility was after the sermon uh, that was just mentioned that December 20th sermon um, because I preached that sermon and the RCMP had been there that day in our facility. Uh, and then after the sermon, I had been approached by one of our greeters who said the RCMP's back. So I went from our auditorium into the foyer and out the door thinking I might be arrested. Mm. And uh, I was given my first ticket. 
so that was the the first time I was aware of the fact that an arrest might might materialize as a result of this. I think that there were some intervals along the way that um, that that were preparatory. Like there was a point where we had to decide whether or not in the middle of January, uh, toward the end of January, whether or not we were going to open our church at, or stay open, basically. And if we did, we'd be in contempt of court. And uh, assuming AHS, our health uh, body was going to force the issue back into court. So they took us to court to get us to obey with obey this uh, health order, this executive order. And so um, the court ordered us to obey with obey the order. And so we had to decide whether or not we were going to stay open. And we opted to stay open. I was talking to uh, our lawyer the Saturday beforehand. And just, you know, at that point in time, I was I wasn't I was thinking jail was unlikely. I knew the maximum penalty for contempt of courts, two years in jail, but I didn't think it was likely. Um, so I just asked him on Saturday, how likely is jail? Uh, and he said, pretty likely. And I, and, you know, so kind of a Salah pause and meditate kind of moment. Oh, yeah, and then for sure. Um, and then I said, how long? He said, a couple months. Mm. And uh, so that was like noon on Saturday. I got off the phone and I mean, I'm already under a ton of pressure. So now I'm digesting the reality of jail as a, a legitimate possibility. And, uh, and the physiological impact on my body was significant. I mean, mm. I, I was, I was in a place where I was just trying to digest that. I mean, I, I, I'd been, walking in a manner that was sort of a come what may disposition and preparing myself for all of the possible consequences that could come. But this was like putting me, you know, at the, 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 the fork in the road. And there wasn't any temptation to not keep going. I was under compulsion. I couldn't, I couldn't not keep going, mm. but I had to digest the reality of jail. And, uh, I mean, I remember standing and it being difficult to stand in our, wow. our bedroom as I was uh, going through that. There was like a migraine brewing at that time. And, you know, you just you just you can't go anywhere but to the Lord and, and you just wrestle it out with them. And before long, I was just like, you know what? It is what it is. And, and if this is what the Lord has for me, it's for his glory and my good. And I'm just going to press on. So. So yeah, then went back to my study and carried on with sermon prep. Amen. So yeah, there's just there's been intervals, you know, and and you you just you you digest each interval and and each interval tests you and your resolve and and you just take the next step, the next step, the next step, and and then you know as a family we're kind of going through that and and everyone's living it together and mm. so we're all aware of what's happening and um. You know, you just uh, you just digest it one day at a time. Hmm. Aaron, what's going on in your head? Like as all of that's happening, uh, I remember the moment at the lunch table when James told me that jail time was likely, and he kind of told me, and then I just kind of sat there, and then he got up, went upstairs, and I went into the bathroom, and I cried and I <laughs> gave my marriage over to the Lord and just said, if you're asking me for my marriage, here it is. I don't know mm. for how long or 
um, how bad this is going to get, but the Lord was asking me to hold it with an open hand and I had to give it to him. So um, I cried, I, I left the bathroom and, and your resolve just to, wow. um, to serve Christ and to follow him. So uh, I think, I, I think the preparation for us has been since he saved us, he's continually mm. showed us who he is, his character, Amen. how he works. And so knowing his word and being under really sound preaching has been, I think, what prepared us for these moments. And you have to die to yourself because you don't know. I mean, we can look back in hindsight right. and, and obviously see what the Lord did, but we were not, I don't think either of us expected this to get as big as it did. Mm. Um, we, it blew us away. We, we weren't expecting any of this at all. Like, you think he's going to go to jail and then all of a sudden the universal church all around the world is rallying around you. Mm. Um, so yeah, my headspace was just, uh, um, it was an awful time to walk through, but the Lord was so faithful and, uh, he was so sweet in those moments. Um, and he's the one that my heart is eternally married to. He's my, my bridegroom and my marriage is a picture of that. And I knew that he was going to care for us if that's what he was calling us to. So. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Yeah, just for the record, as far as the story is concerned, um, when I ended up going to jail, it wasn't for contempt of court. So we basically tested the political will of AHS and they were not ready and willing to take us to court for contempt of court. And so when it came time to enforce the way they did, they went another avenue and did it through the RCMP, which is our police force. And, uh, and so I guess in a sense that made the RCMP look bad, not so much AHS. I found bureauc- bureaucrats are very good at, um, shifting the blame. Yes. Yes. So, um, <laughs> now I, it's, it's so crazy. Like I've read, I mean, like one of the first things that, that people, that Canadian people started doing was like, look at our charter, look at our charter, look at our charter. Like it, it has pretty detailed protections. Like if a minister is going to, or coming from, or, you know, even thinking about possibly going to minister in some way, like it, like it's, it's pretty spelled out. And then to go and break that just to me seemed asinine when things were so clearly laid out as far as what a minister's rights were uh, in regard to your constitutional freedoms or political or legally recognized freedoms, I guess. Um, but yeah, that, that was crazy to me because they, they your sh- constitution is a stronger document than our charter. Our charter says the things you want it to say, but before it says it, there's this sort of, you know, clause that potentially limits everything. Uh, if the government can justify that the limitation is necessary. And so all governments um, want all governments always do that. been, there's always been an assumption that when push came to shove, our charter wouldn't, wouldn't stand the test and it, it hasn't our, our judiciary has, I mean, we have an off, an awful judiciary. I mean, just sad and pathetic. Um, so I don't think we've won a single, uh, case in our country. Whereas you look at grace community church, for example, a number of churches in California and elsewhere have won court cases. And, and that just shows you that your constitution and the judiciary is still functioning at, at some level of, um, you know, discernment and, and, and cognitive integrity, but 
yeah, in our case, uh, our our judicial system is just useless. Hmm. That's awful. It is really awful. I, and I I just want to say this about about Grace. I, I just I do feel bad for the taxpayers in California because now they're footing the bill for this eight hundred grand. It's so I just feel bad for them. Don't their money is them. just getting. Don't feel bad for them. It should be the the politician, but but it's all their money. It, it's it's really where would confusing. you rather have it in the government's hands? No, 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 absolutely, right. absolutely okay. not. I'd rather it back. Johnny Max anyway. got that. He's got that. He's got that taken care of. He's you know what? I'd rather. I'd rather just people just let people live their lives. <laughs> yeah, boy, wouldn't we? <laughs> I think John MacArthur would also like. I that. think he would appreciate that sentiment. <laughs> so one of the one of the things that we had heard that was we 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 loved uh, because we have quoted it off in our church was that um, at the time uh, of arrest, uh, one of the things you, Aaron, said to James was you, you quoted Hugh, Hugh Latimer to him, and you told him to play the man. Hebrews? Who? Not who, who, Hugh Latimer. Hugh, Hugh, Hugh Latimer. Get out of my face. He was English. Uh, you told him to play the man. Um, wh- why? Where did that come from? Was that just like calling on you? Did you have time to set that up? Oh, I know, but did you have time to set that up? Or did that just magically pop in? Did the spirit just put that in your head? Yeah, you know, and it was probably more for me than it was for James. Like, I teach our children about the reformers and the stand that they took. And that was one thing that has kind of always stuck with me was when he said, play the man, and that they were going to light a fire in England to the likes that will never be put out. And our Mm -hmm. prayer for Edmonton since we've gotten here was that regeneration and a revival would take place. Like we live in a city of uh, 1.4 million and very little sound churches. And so our heart has always been to see people come to Christ and those who do know Christ, that revival would take place in their Mm -hmm. heart, that there would be a turning to biblical truth and a commitment to expository preaching and, and the local church. So, um, yeah, that was probably more for me in that moment when I said that to him, because it, it was like telling my heart, okay, my husband is stepping into something and this is a sacrifice. And so like, he's kind of like, play the man. Shouldn't I just be a man? Like, <laughs> I mean, please yeah, do. I, but- wasn't familiar. I wasn't familiar with the, the expression. So I was like, just you know. sapped the sentimentality right out of that. Oh gosh, this is great. Cause I was going to say like, how did that make you feel? Did that send well, shivers no, to your spine? Sounds like he was just comment, confused. The comments that, that Aaron had made that, that just gave me a sense. She was with me is, is when she said, I'm glad I didn't marry a coward. Mm. Oh, and, wow. That's And so, so, when your wife it's says fire. that, don't geez. do it. We're gonna need tissues over here. Great, thanks a lot. Josh. Thanks a lot, Pastor James. <laughs> when your wife says that to you, and you're in the heat of the battle that we were in, that signals she's with you. She's supportive. You know, like, and and that's massive. I mean, how yeah. how in the world could I have done what I did without the support of my wife? It would have been impossible. Yeah. I always feel like we, the person you're closest to, is often the one that can build you up higher than you could ever have been built up by anyone else. And with half a word is the one that could bring you lower than you've ever felt before. And I feel like if, if that situation happened to me and my wife said she was glad she didn't marry a coward, I would literally live off of that the rest of my entire life, my entire life. I'd be good to go. (laughs) Why didn't you do the dishes? Remember, I'm not a coward. At least I'm not a coward. At least I'm not a coward. coward, Okay. (laughs) Why are you shoes by the door? I'm not a coward. (laughs) Okay. 
I'm not perfect, <laughs> but that's awesome. That's that's awesome. That, that's better than play the man. Although play the man is a great. I love history so much, and so when I heard that, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, play the man, Mr. Ridley. I just it, it was like such a. I was like that was like the most perfect line to say because but he's essentially saying like don't you're you're not a coward. Like it is. That's exactly no. what he's saying. Yeah, that's exactly um, what he was saying. Yeah, mm. and I just think, um, you know, I didn't want him. I had no idea what he was going to face in prison. He's in prison. This is not like a hotel stay. He's actually in jail with real criminals and. Um, well, ironically, they were letting them out at the time. So, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> Less criminals th- than he would have been had there not been COVID. <laughs> you guys get out of here. We got we to we put a pastor in prison. Could you clear out this area, please? Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> Pretty what much. Um, so I would like, I don't want him to have to worry about the children and I, if he, I need him to be free to minister to the people in jail and not worry about Amen. us or grace life, um, but be able to be where he is in prison and serve the Lord faithfully there until he's called out if he was going to be called out. So, yeah. <laughs> how did, uh, how did the grace life family, this is a perspective I don't have. How did grace life respond to the family while James was in prison? Hmm. You want me to answer that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so essentially we went from serving to being served and it was incredible to see our body just love us so well and um one thing that was just so special to my own heart was my elders um really took the view of treating me like a widow and making sure that I was taken care of they were calling me every day checking in on me um our our one elder in particular um Paul Clausen he just was incredible. He just came along, supported us. Um, but our whole church family, like we were together during that time. Um, we, even though we weren't supposed to be together, <laughs> uh, we were in clusters Shut all over. Uh, they came out to the rallies. Like um, I remember seeing you, you guys know Devin, right? We do. Our podcast. Yep. Well, Devin is just such a great guy. And I see him at the uh at the rally and he sees me and he just cries and i'm trying to hold up but i'm like 115 <laughs> pounds maybe trying to hold up <laughs> we've certainly bearded man just- we've sent him shirts <laughs> we know how big devin is yeah but and, and that's just the love we love you devin that was not supposed like, to be anything other than that was probably like how did you hold it together oh yeah seriously he, easily like a- He'd be like a, a defensive, offensive lineman. Absolutely. And he's tall, so I'm only like five two and a half. It's <laughs> just towering over you, crying. Yeah, and, but that's the love, right? That's the it's love so beautiful. That he has it's so beautiful. James. That's the love that he has for our family. Um, but I'll tell you that first worship service when James was in jail, like I'm surprised the roof did not come off the building because – we didn't know what to expect that day. We didn't know, was Jake going to be arrested? Were we all going to get ticketed and arrested? Um, and driving into the church with my boys that morning, we were just blasting worship music and praising the Lord. And there's cops lining the streets. Like, you just have no idea what to expect in this moment. Um, but yeah, when the church sang, and it's like, here, here's the cost, right? We don't know if we're going to jail, 
but we're going to, if we're going to jail, we're going down worshiping Christ. So yeah. uh, that was a really sweet, a bittersweet moment because obviously I want my husband to be there to experience that. Um, but just the love and the unity that came out of mm. his imprisonment and how well the body loved us was just a reflection of Christ's love for us and how he promised to take care of us. And he did like over and above. Mm. Um, and then all the, the letters from the universal church and in the emails and um, we can't even answer them all. There are so many, um, but it was so overwhelming. I, I still get emotional thinking about it because uh, it's the Lord's kindness and to see the body stand up that way around the world was um, amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, I feel like, I feel like the only thing that we can say after they talk is just praise God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Truly. But I mean, on, on that point, um, like, you know, when we're real, we're real heavy local church guys, like our ministry is local. It's, it's small, local, bivocational, as we discussed. I I was, I was messing with, uh, (laughs) I was messing with our printer, our t-shirt printer. He's like, cause he's Catholic. He's like, yeah, my archdiocese and this vaccine and stuff like that. I'm like, what you need, Joe, is a non-denominational bivocational Protestant congregation that's what you need because then you don't, right. have to, you don't have to have any of these you know rules or attachments right. or anything like that to these arch die or whatever you know <laughs> so come on over joe yeah we love joe joe you'll never you probably won't ever listen to this, he will we, never listen to this we love you he will if we send it to him anyway the greatest the greatest printer in all of south jersey yeah but um but i mean t- to that point i mean we we're kind of just we're here doing ministry right i mean like that's that's what pastors do we're just here doing ministry and, uh, you know, it, it can feel isolating, you know, if, if not many churches in your area are taking stands or, or even speaking words that have any amount of courage or force or, or, or backbone or spine, you know, you can feel real isolated. But, um, you know, when, when we made the shirts and when people all across the country started buying them, <laughs> buying them, like we thought we were like, oh, yeah, let's make 50 and maybe some of our friends will buy them and maybe we'll, you know, yard sale them or something. <laughs> it was literally, I literally told my wife, I said, babe, this is my birthday present to me is I'm, I'm getting 50 of these shirts made and I, I know there's going to be a use for them and I'd like to make them for my birthday. And she's like, okay. I think you're crazy, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, but just to see so many people, I mean, we've, I, I think it's we've been, even shipped a shirt to Hawaii. At it's this been point. incredible. Like it's, it's, it's been so cool and encouraging to our hearts. I mean, you know, thankfully we haven't been put in jail, but just to, but, but for your, for your story to have that impact, even on us as local pastors, just to see the fruit of the stand that you've taken ripple all across our country. Cause mm. sometimes you wonder like, are you alone? Okay. It's, it's Tom Askell in Florida, you know, it's John MacArthur in California. Like, is there anyone else, you know? And it's like, no, there are local congregations all, all over across the place, all over the place, America. And, um, you know, it, that, that are saying yes and amen to, to the supremacy of Christ and his Lordship over all of the earth. And like wow. that, that was just a wildly encouraging thing for us to even just be blessed to be a part of. We're, we're sitting here watching all of this happen. Like, uh, how do we run it? How do we run? How do we process all of these? <laughs> like, like, what do we do? <laughs> well, and that's, it's hugely encouraging for me to go through what we did. I mean, as we were leading up to um, the second arrest, which 
we knew was going to be pretty significant. Like I'd been arrested already released. And then, um, the second arrest we knew would likely end up with me in jail. We were, you know, just curious what's going to be the impact of this. I mean, obviously that's not why you do it. You're doing it for Christ and his headship and obedience and, but you can't help build that foundation and then kind of get up there and say, so yeah, what's going to happen if this actually happens, you know? And we never thought anything beyond like Alberta or, or maybe our own country, you know, but the way that it impacted, you know, seemingly the world is just, I mean, never, never could have imagined that that would happen and that it did, uh, especially with what you're just saying there about the U S and all the churches that basically, you know, either either the light was already on and now the spotlight was on the light being on or the light came on, whatever mm-hmm. it was. That's just really, really encouraging to me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. May your heart be ministered to because it was all over the place. It yeah. was, it was, it's, it was, it was crazy. overwhelming. <laughs> it was, it was definitely overwhelming. Definitely overwhelming. <laughs> it's, it's like, Hey Jesse, do you have any time? We're going to have to <laughs> really ramp up. Whatever accidentally just happened. Like, man, I'm going to have to have a baby and get <laughs> on some paternity leave. <laughs> we, we yeah. have a... Well, we, I mean, we it, it was problematic because we're, we're sitting here watching it all happen. And then they then they put the fences up, right? They put the oh. fences up around Grace Life. And I, I woke up and I was just angry. I was so angry. I called Justin immediately. I was supposed to have a nice little park day with the family. And I just... I was, like, so angry. And I, just, I called Justin. I'm like, Justin, we got to do, like all of the proceeds. We just got to do all the proceeds, 24, 48 hours, something we've got to do something. And then literally, I think we got what? 200 orders in four in 48 hours supporting you guys. It was just like, it was insane. Uh, it was amazing. And we, <laughs> we, we weren't ready for it, but it was great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't know what to do. We had a printer in our kitchen, printing out labels and we had literally <laughs> every single out. one of our family members <laughs> on my dining, giant dining room table. Just like, laying everything out just like and it's like every single one sees the faith sees the faith sees the faith like you have we have to this man standing we have to stand like we can't sit down and like that's, yeah, it was, that's the message and you did you, honestly you've you you reminded us in our church so now on a consistent basis when our men when we get together as men it's we remind them frequently you know hey it's next man up if it, if it comes down the pike that i'm in jail or you're in jail, and if the elders are all in jail, who's the next man up? Because this keeps yep. going; this doesn't stop. Yeah, we've challenged um, our men several times about that. Um, so we, I mean, to the point where it's like, hey, you might want to need, you might need to have two or three, you might need to have two or three sermons in your back pocket. You might need to be ready. Like, we don't know what the next five, ten years holds, and there's no reason to not be prepared. So mm. we're 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 very thankful. That being said, the next question that I jumped over. What was it like? Oh, behind- we're interviewing them. Uh, <laughs> what was it like, Pastor James, behind the behind the wire, so to speak? What was it like on the inside? I was wondering if you had a Pauline experience in there, or I I, I envision this the cells shaking and the doors rattling, and you're you're preaching the word, and but that's I mean that's just what's in my mind. <laughs> you know, I sounds think- epic. It does sound epic, right? We need a movie. Coats. I think that um, <laughs> I think what you're you're wrestling with is you you've seen God work in your life since you've been in the Lord. You can even go back probably before you knew the Lord and see how He was kind and gracious towards you, right? In providing food and clothing and and all of that. Um, so when you go into jail, like you're you're just wondering, in a sense, like 
can I count on God to prove himself and show himself to be the God that he has been in every other sphere of my life? And uh, so it will God be with me? And of course, you know, God is, is, is with you, but it's kind of a Psalm 139, you know, where can I go and be away from your spirit? If I make my bed in heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. So, so I would say that the, the, the thing that would encourage, I think, your listeners and, and even yourselves is that the Lord is with you in jail the same way he's with you everywhere else. He Amen. ministers to you. He shepherds you. He protects you. He, watch, he watches over you. And so, um, so yeah, I think there, there wasn't necessarily, you know, uh, the cell shakes and the, the <laughs> cell doors swing open kind of a moment, but he ministered to me and, and, you know, it's a challenge in jail because you're isolated. So the battle for the mind is, is difficult. Uh, you know, I had access to radio, so I was getting kind of mainstream news, um, in, which doesn't uh, help you feel better at all on my life. No, it didn't. It wasn't good. No. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think, you know, there's challenges. It's you have highs and lows. You can have highs and lows in the same day. Like I could talk to Aaron on exercise, get some news that just lights me up. And then, and then, you know, an hour later, hear something on the radio or whatever that puts you in a bit of a tailspin. So it's a battle for the mind. You don't have, depending on your situation, the kind of solitude that you would in the context of your own home. So like in my case, as I, um, come to the Lord in prayer and the word I, 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 I get away from the family. I'm in my study and I can spend that time with him. If you got a cellmate, your time with the Lord looks a little different, right? Um, wow. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's a bit of a challenge to, to commune with him to the same degree that you would, you would like, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, it's hard to describe there. Honestly, this will sound strange. Maybe there are moments in jail where you feel like you're at summer camp and then there are moments when you realize oh no i'm in jail <laughs> that's, oh, that's a sad boy. realization actually now that you make it sound like that it's like uh oh that's that's rough you know oh, like you camp, have moments where you're 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 just hanging out with the guys that are that you're on your floor on, on exercise you're laughing with your cellmate in your cell like there's there's stuff that's kind of normal about it and then there's just moments when you realize, oh, no, this is definitely not not summer camp. I'm getting a whole different picture of Pastor James right now. I'm seeing this, like, inmate, like, he's like, I'm, I'm fine in here. I can do this. It's whatever. What's up, guys? I'm getting this totally different picture. He was, like, totally. He was like, yeah, I just hung out with the guys in the yard. It's no big deal. It's whatever. <laughs> so tough. Well, he, he even shared his testimony. And did, you did have Bible studies um, through John with them and then Praise people the Lord. would need counsel. And so they would come to his door and like, are you, are you the pastor kind of thing? And they talk to him through the door. So Amen. Amazing. Yeah. But the, talk about a captive audience. The, the jail did shake. So you have to tell them. That. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard the story of me leaving, but um, you know, to demonstrate just the impact that I had on uh on the inmates when I was leaving my pod um, everyone knew I was leaving. I mean, my, my case had been announced on the radio leading up to my final hearing. And then my hearing happened and I was going to be released and that was being broadcasted on the radio. So everyone knew I was leaving. And uh, there were some signs leading up to me leaving that signaled to me that, that my leaving was something that guys were paying attention to. I could just, 
I was out of my cell for a particular point and, and the doors were shaking a little bit. They thought I was leaving at that point. I wasn't. So when I finally did leave, um, I could, I could hear like just some rumbling coming from the cell doors. Uh, and so I, you know, you're in a pod, it's a, it's a main floor with, with three, like a main floor row of cells and then another second floor of cells, third floor of cells. So it's a big, you know, pod. And uh, so I turned around to the door and I just put my hand in the air to basically say goodbye. And the place shook. Wow. Um, and, uh, and it was, it was a moment. Like I, I looked over at the guards and I could just tell the guards were impacted. I said, see you guys. They said, see you coats, you know, and, and it was a moment for sure. But the chaplain was there for that actually. And, and he remembers it too. He said, he'll never forget that. Praise that the Lord. Moment. Um, so yeah, it was, it was honestly, it was like something out of Hollywood. It was like that. So were you like aiming for, you were like, you're like really looking for that, that slow, steady church growth. So like the guys in five years, <laughs> yeah. you know, they come in in 10 years. You're just looking for that slow. <laughs> got him. I got him. All right. Just took a second there. All right. I mean, Hey, that's, that's, that's growth, man. I'm all about it. That's really spreading it out. Praise the Lord for that kind of impact. That's amazing. That's a bit, I'm sorry for the bad captive audience joke. I apologize. I everybody. thought it was kind of funny, but I've Aaron's also never really been in jail. That so that happened to him, though, like, like they would keep him in his cell for almost twenty four hours and not let him out. Like they did that, that happened thing. once, and then um, they yeah, were supposed to shady. let him out more than fifteen minutes at a time. So there was he'd have like two 15 minute breaks. So there was just some really shady things happening. Like they wouldn't tell me where he was. Uh, during his court case, they wouldn't let me see him. I couldn't find him before they took him to jail. Well, I'm sure that um, did not go well for them. I, I feel sorry for those people. Yeah. Like you had to unleash it, the fury. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I, I didn't <laughs> all five it. feet and two inches. <laughs> you know, we had, um, we had an RCMP officer who was involved in our situation say to a guy who was a deacon at the time. He's now, he's moved away and is, uh, trying to help out with a church plant. But uh, basically that RCMP officer said to our friend, um, if there's a judge, no, actually he told a story of saying this to his wife. So he, this RCMP officer said to his wife after my arrest and imprisonment, if there's a judgment, I'm in trouble. Wow. Hmm. And he, he heard the gospel. I mean, we, we, we would give the gospel in our, um, in our services right at the beginning. So they would hear it. And, um, and mm. then this gentleman that I, I mentioned had talked to the RCMP officer and, and he relayed that story. So uh, it's an, it's a, it's an amazing thing to hear a man say that if there's a judgment, I'm in trouble because yeah. there is a judgment obviously. Yeah. yeah. And there's a way to not be in, in trouble. trouble like yeah. to turn from his sin and believe on Christ. Yeah. That's yeah. it. There's a way to not be in trouble. Like Jesus, Jesus is real and he is, he has infinite amount. Yeah. That understanding red, gap is closing yeah. for him. Which yeah. Is great. Absolutely amazing. Well, amazing. That's incredibly impactful. I cannot. I just can't imagine what it was like to have the shell shell door shake like that. That's amazing. Um, so kind of kind of changing to a, a different section in, in our notes here. So now we're now talking about like what's going on in the province, what's going on in the country. Do you think uh, Alberta faces similar restrictions coming up in the in the future? Um, I know I, I've talked to Jamie from uh, you know Jamie and Andrea. You know, he's like, he's like, no, there's, there's definitely some stuff coming down the line. Like, do, do you think Alberta faces similar restrictions? Cause I know, I know my Ontarian friends, they're kind of jealous of, of the Albertans right now. 
with the restrictions being lifted. But um, do you think that something's coming down the pike? Where What's the next hill to stand on, do you think? So I've been cautiously optimistic that we would stay open. Um, you know, I when I look at our premier, who would be like your governor, part of me believes there's like a Ron DeSantis in him that, that would love to come out, that he would love to be that hero. And so I've been cautiously optimistic that everything he said in the summer about being open and staying open would be true. Um, cases of course are rising in our province and, um, and so there's pressure on the government to do something because they've got to save us from the virus, obviously. And, uh, and so <laughs> as is their God given role. Yeah, that's right. That's what God says in Romans. Save me from a virus. That just frustrates me to no end. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, Amen. That the government that the government, that people think the government should save them from a virus. I yeah. mean, honestly, just go into your basement and stay there, yeah. you know, and let people who are comfortable with the risks live their lives. But anyway, that's a, another story. This is where the Texan Alberta um, comes out in him. I'm just hearing it now. I like it's it. It's first Thessalonians five three though, right? It's it's we have safety. We 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 have peace. We have safety, right? And then the judgment will come upon them and swiftly. I mean that's that's the God of the world. It's yeah. safety and peace. And hey if the government's gonna give it to me, you know, hey, I'll take it. Whatever. Yeah, I, I just like I I would opt out of our healthcare system in a, in a flash. Take your healthcare system. I, I don't want your safety. That's not how I, socialism I, works. I, public safety to me is anathema. Don't want anything to do with it. You can have it, but but not me. Anyway, before I get excited. <laughs> um, it's getting all riled yeah, so up over there. Our premier just announced today that uh, the mask mandate is going to be back. So what happened was... Uh, city councils were starting to bring back the mask mandate. So Edmonton, which would be our, our we're not in Edmonton proper, but we're, we're close enough that we're in the ETA, I guess. You I would say. assume a city leans a little more liberal. So they brought the mask mandate back. Uh, typically, yeah. And Edmonton does between Edmonton and Calgary, which are the two main cities. Right. Edmonton is the more liberal city of the two. And so, yeah, the uh, the mask mandate was made, was put back in place to take effect today. And then, on top of that, our provincial government uh, made a provincial wide mask mandate effective tomorrow, I think. And so, yeah, it's just hard to know, like, how are they going to do that? Are they going to enforce it? Uh, there's no there's no health emergency. And so it's hard to say what the future holds. I mean, you know, if they want to just try and put in place some measures that kind of make it look like they're doing something to to keep the media and, you know, the, the, the crazy people in our public off their back, you know, maybe that's what they're doing. But usually when they start doing this, it's evidence they're going to keep doing it. Right. And so in theory, we could be right back into the same stare down that we were last year. It'd be like round two. Hmm. Well, don't worry. We've got great ideas for Christmas coming up, so we'll uh, we'll keep you guys funded. We got great T-shirts coming. We're gonna we're gonna take care of this, no problem. <laughs> you know, just for the record on the funding piece, like we're doing really well. Like you know, we're we're doing well on the funding side of it. Now, you know, if if a need came up and and someday there there could be, we would let you guys know. But you guys need to know, like like our church financially is doing very well. But what we assume and, is uh, that you're in the center of it. So if there's any look, once it's in your hands, please use it. However, so you see somebody else that needs has a need, you got no, it's it. It's helpful. Yeah, and we and would love for that to be the case. No, like 
Like my salary is determined by the, the non-staff elders. I have no say in my salary. So like my salary has not increased a dollar in this whole time. And, uh, and so just for the record, um, there's no, you're not uh, getting rich off of being jailed is what you're trying to tell us. No. It's a bad deal. Your Swiss bank accounts. Oh, it's, that's what it is. It's a, you're like John Kerry. You married into Heinz ketchup. You married into, yes, it's Aaron has all the money. That's what it is. I see what it is now. No. Tucker pays really well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, what were we talking about? Tucker does uh, not pay at all. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, it gosh. is a lie. He does not it does not pay. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I have to pay him to be on the show. <laughs> oh. Can we please get my story out there? Someone's got to help me. <laughs> all right, fine. She's emailed us five times this week. Jeez, gosh. Get her on. This Aaron Coates lady won't let it go. It's <sighs> that Canadian last name. How do you say that? Coates? Coates. <laughs> Stop it, Jesse. I can't. I can't. We're doing a podcast. I keep forgetting. <sighs> uh, <laughs> I'm skipping over the next question. Skip it. I'm going to tell exec- you to skip it. Thank you. I'm making an executive decision. We are so alike that we knew to both skip that did we question. Um <laughs> So uh, speaking, thinking about preaching now, you come out of prison. Does it, has it affected, and maybe even before COVID-19, like uh, speaking as a pastor who preaches, as a, I guess that makes sense, as the main teaching elder in our church, uh, that makes even more sense to clear that up. The whole thing has really focused, uh, it's brought an intensity to the scriptures for me personally. I'm seeing the reality uh, of Galatians 5.1 throughout the scripture, right? That it is for freedom that Christ has set you free, that, that, that the redemptive nature of God's work, which obviously the whole narrative of redemption flows from Genesis to revelation, but to feel the weight of God having constantly been calling his people to his freedom throughout the entire, it's so crazy that we are now in Exodus now. Um, and it's been so, it's been such a perfect book to remind us of God's uh, seeking after his people to bring freedom for them. Um, and, and he means that, we're teaching through Exodus right now. We're in Exodus, not like we're in the Exodus, but we're teaching through Exodus. Looking around this is like, the Exodus? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. Because clearly no one got that. You had to clarify that. Well, whatever. Anyway, how is it, has it, has it brought a, um, a perspective to teaching that's been a little different, just practically? I think it's definitely brought greater urgency to gospel preaching. So mm. I'm in the Gospel of John, which lends itself to, you know, I think he means uh, that he's preaching through the gospel of John. Thanks for clarifying you. <laughs> Smack him. What did I say? You said you were in the gospel of John, and he said not right. in the gospel. He's preaching through the gospel of John. I'm sorry. These are the jokes, and they're bad. Please yes, go so ahead. We expositors say that we're in a particular book of the Bible. Uh, Apparently, that's what we expositors do, and yeah. then other people stupidly clarify. Anyway, uh, I'm just anyway. a bivocational elder. What do I know? <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, so I would say it's definitely brought urgency to the, Amen. To the, the Amen. preaching of the gospel, uh, which, which is a thrill, because when you're preaching the gospel, to have the kind of urgency that this time and, and space uh, affords it is a blessing. So, so that's been incredible also in the gospel of john i think what you come to realize and we miss this is that there's more of a political um thrust there than we would normally think we typically approach 
the conflict between Jesus and the Sanhedrin as a purely religious conflict. And, and it was, it was far more political than we realized. Mm. And, uh, and, and the Sanhedrin did have a political aspect to its government over Israel. And, Amen. and so um, even as I just finished up John 11, the last time I was in John, which was, which was earlier in the summer pre vacation, the conspiracy to put Jesus to death was a, politically motivated conspiracy it was not a religiously motivated conspiracy and so Mm. um so i think that the you find out you know even i preach a sermon in psalm 119 because every once in a while i preach the next stanza of that psalm um the the application of the word of god to our present time and space is is uh is significant it's there and uh it's not forced it's just that we haven't had the kind of political climate that warranted us seeing it. Um, and so I think the, the applicability of God's word to our context and conflict with governing authorities is it's, it's more there than we realize. Amen. I, I have to echo and I fully agree with that. Uh, absolutely. It's been illuminating. It's really been illuminating. And I keep, I have, I have sometimes what I find myself thinking, I think like, is this what this is? This just a taste of how the persecuted church realizes the impact of the. Again, this is not. This isn't like a. <laughs> I said that wrong. You were definitely persecuted. I know this is not a gauge. We don't do that. I don't. That's not what your goal was at all in this. To think, oh, I is he persecuted? Is he not persecuted? That was the game the gospel coalition in Canada played. That was not the game that you were playing at all. Um, there's a whole episode on that. on am Bay day. If somebody yeah, wants to listen. Um, but, uh, the, 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 the church that faces the, the incredibly stringent. So, so the churches that are in the middle East, in Africa, in, is this a taste of the, the level of illumination that comes to the text of scriptures that they, they memorize and read and cherish? Um, because we have been such fat, happy sheep for so long in the West that we have not, that the word has not had such clarity as it does now in so many real ways. Uh, that's, that's just how I felt. And I was, I was curious if that had, had been something that you had, uh, had seen. So amen, amen and amen. So um, another question, and perhaps this is just kind of, perhaps you've had more time to reflect on this than some other people. Um, why do you think that so many pastors and flocks have compromised on the physical gathering of the body? <laughs> and, I, mean, that's a, I wish a, our listeners could see the look on your face. That's like a can of worms you just opened up right there. If if you if you try and answer it in general terms, you risk um, offending a lot of people. We 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 do that. Um, <laughs> Offend you know, away. Yeah. It, there's just a lot of layers to it. I think in some respects it's because as I've said previously, we have a very low ecclesiology Uh, in some respects it's because we have a really bad theology of government. In some respects we have a bad theology of government because it's convenient and uh, we're afraid of the consequences of going toe to toe with the government. I think uh, in some cases we we've got pastors who really want to be liked and really long for the affirmation of the world and, and don't like the idea of being looked upon with scorn 
and 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 they're at risk of being ashamed of Jesus and his words in all honesty. Oh no. Um you know, I'm preaching in Tim Stevens church on Sunday and I'm preaching um Luke 9:23 and following where we see the demands of discipleship as being that one deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow Christ and and what you see today as far as uh mainstream Christianity even among uh the so-called reformed uh, you just end up seeing a very different um, call to discipleship than we see coming from the lips of Jesus. Mm. And, uh, and so I think um, we've got men that lack courage, lack conviction. Um, Jacob Riome would say men without chests, we could say men without spines. And uh, I really think that the, I think when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ, uh, I'm eager. I mean, this has made my anticipation of that judgment uh, even more something to anticipate because I want this to get settled. I want to hear the Lord's verdict on the right response in this season. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go into that with a clear conscience. And and I believe that we've taken the right stand and that we'll have his blessing in that. And, and assuming that's true, uh, I want I want the Lord to to render verdict on all the men who closed their church, and um, I realize that that's not going to be a moment of condemnation, but um, but there's something that needs to be made right, and and even the way that they have spoken about guys like myself and Tim Stevens um, is is awful. Yeah, I don't mean, get us started on that. We're 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 pissed for you guys. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> So, yeah, I, the Lord needs to, and he will, he needs to render his verdict on this. And I like where we're parked and, um, Amen. and so we'll, we'll, Amen. we'll look to him to balance the books. Yeah. We, uh, you say it won't be a word of condemnation, but sheep go to heaven and goats go to hell. And I've, I've got, <laughs> I've got a lot of concerns about, I really do about some of the people filling the pulpits around, around the, no, West, and I the, get the that, Western church. Clear, if you make it to the judgment seat of Christ, the, then, then you're a sheep. Amen. So, amen. so assuming they're there, assuming they're there, um, if they don't make it there, then it's even worse. Yeah. Amen. Hands up on that. That that's, that's, that's truth. So I, I, I pray that they are there and I pray that they would repent of ignoring God's God's word. Cause it, yeah. And let's be clear too. Like, even as I, I say the things that I am, I'm not really talking about the guys that we know are false right. shepherds. Right. I'm, I'm right. talking about guys that going into this season, we would have thought would have been standing with us and, right. uh, and aren't. So, I mean, at some, like what, when, when do you stand, you know, like, here we are heading into what year two. I mean, when are you going to stand? When, when is, when, when have you reached the threshold? When, when is it time to, declare that Jesus is Lord. And so at some point in time, that time has to come. Uh, if it never comes, then that's concerning. Amen. Amen. 100% there. I was, I was just commenting on, uh, w- w- one of my Australian, uh, my new Australian acquaintances. Uh, I was just posting on, on comments. Phrases you ever thought you'd say <laughs> never in a million years. Um, I was commenting on his things. He was going back and forth with it with a gentleman about closing the church and I'm like, I'm literally like, look, Western nations have already actually had this conversation literally within the past 16 to 18 months. I'm like, you can look back like this is a well-documented thing. COVID's not new. You in Australia with these new lockdowns know far better what COVID does than we did, you know, a year and a half ago. 
As, yeah, go back to the Magdeburg Confession. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while as Christians, huh? For a long time. Yeah, a little bit. But, uh, but I mean, e- even, even when it comes to this particular thing, um, you know, stands have been made and, and examples have, have risen and stood up. John MacArthur, Tim Stevens, you, Pastor Coates, um, you know, others, even in our local area and lots of local areas have churches that have had lawsuits against them and whatnot. But, you know, like the, the conversation's already been had and, and I, I, I appreciate and come back to that question too. Like, all right, if, if then wasn't the time to stand, how about now? How about now? How about now? You know, there's got to be a time. So what, this is a, this is a fun question for me because I enjoy asking this and just hearing, uh, having talked to, to, to Dr. Rock, Dr. Aaron Rock, we like to call him the Reverend Doctor, Reverend Doctor, Reverend Doctor Aaron Rock, <laughs> um, and and heard how his church grows ha- has grown. How how has Grace Life grown, and how surprising has it been the the growth the growth in Grace Life through this? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. Has it been surprising? I mean I, the whole thing is surprising. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I guess okay. that's that. fair. Um, that's fair. The uh, this past Sunday we had 700. Now we oh. had baptisms happening. And a lot of time when you do baptisms, you got folks that are there to visit. So there's a possibility that that's not reflective. We were coming in just under 600 in the weeks leading up to that. Uh, we think we're pretty much uh, forced now to go to two services. Cause we've got people in the foyer. We've got a, a how does that library. compare? How does that compare? Like, that? What, what was it pre code? Like what was it before all this? Yeah. We were, we were, um, so we were averaging on an annual basis around 350. Oh my and, gosh, double. Uh, yeah, I mean almost double. Yeah. Praise um, the Lord. So we we've got like a tent outside right now that we've got audio video too. We've got They're pulling uh, a Trinity Bible Chapel right now, I think. Yeah, uh, two locations where we've got <laughs> audio video inside. Um it's Praise the yeah, Lord. So our people are it's it's crowded, so you know, there's there's a comfort factor that's kind of gone away. But um that's family, yeah, baby. That's family. That's how that? it goes. When it's family, that's how it goes. You got to get tight. Sometimes you got to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's been good. I mean, the, the there's challenges, of course, with a lot of folks who are just kind of flying by. They're, they're visiting Alberta. They come to Grace Life Church. They want to talk to me after service. And so I've got a lineup of folks that want to talk to me that are new that aren't necessarily people that are going to be around for long. Right. And, and that takes me away from the body. So at some point in time, hopefully that will subside because uh, I miss my people and, and want to yeah, spend amen. that time with them. And if we go to a different service format, which we're planning to do, um, then, then that should help as well. So, um, so yeah, like it's uh church has grown quite a bit. Like we were creeping up just before my imprisonment, to, to being over 400 regularly. So we were growing um, prior to my imprisonment, but then at my, my imprisonment, the, our church just blew up for sure. Yeah. There's something to be said about what God does when people take a stand for his word and are persecuted for it. Um, and I Tim's know got the same issue too. Tim Stevens, I mean, his church, absolutely. They, even, they don't even fit in their building anymore. So um, praise the Lord. You know, they're, they're, they're in a different facility now and meeting in, in the afternoon. And so his church has grown significantly as well. There. Which is a good growth. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. So as far as uh, now that's numerically, as far as um, depth goes, how would mm-hmm. you, how would you say, have you seen grace life grow in depth? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's strengthened our faith 
immensely. Now, I think when you go through a season like we did, where you really come together and you hunker down and, and your, your, your roots go down deeper um, and, and you get, you know, growth on the, on the outer as well, as far as branches and foliage and everything like that. Um, when the pressure comes off, you know, that's when a church can be tested. So I think right now, you know, our church is just kind of being tested a little bit with respect to how things have changed as a result of what's happened, because the, the, the church that was feels a little different now. And so I think that's an adjustment that's difficult for folks. You know, if we end up back into a bit of a, a stare down with the government, that will cure that in a hurry. Um, <laughs> and, and we'll just be back to like hunkering down together. Right. But, right. Uh, but yeah, things have changed. And so it's an adjustment to just, acclimate to the change that's taken place and and being good with that and knowing the Lord is sovereign and 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 he wants us to be in the place that we are and he wants to use us the way that he is and so we got to be willing and hospitable and uh and I think a lot of our folks are there but I think it's it's stretching some and but I think you know that's good and we'll, we'll navigate that amen life's trying to figure out her place in the world right now in that how do we go back because we've learned so much about our position as believers in the world and our relationship to the government and so I think she's trying to figure out how does she go forward from here with those relationships and being faithful with the gospel and and guarding and protecting the gospel at the same time being that city on a hill and being faithful to be um like living in this world, but citizens of uh, heaven. So I think just a lot of our people are trying to figure that out. Like what is our responsibility? Um, so yeah, if, if you could, if you think to pray for grace life, that would be, I think a major thing. Cause some people are just like, what do we do? We can't, we can't go back to kind of the complacency that we were in towards. And amen to that. Amen. This. Yeah. Um, and, and how do we move forward with that? So, yeah. Amen to that. Don't don't go back. There's well, only there's only forward. Well, we never think of you guys, so maybe we'll pray at some yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> my, our, our, it's a joke. Our kids. I, I mean, my kids. I want to speak for your kids because your kids are your kids. My kids prayed for you consistently all the time, and uh, mm. I, I, up up until very recently, I, my my youngest was still praying for you in prison. So uh, <laughs> we had to we had to work on that, um, but but we you have you have greatly impacted a generation here. We're we are so thankful. I look at my kids and I'm like, when the government comes calling far worse on them than it is on me, they're ready. Like they, the, the watch them grab a hold of God's word in this time and no, just no, like, no, we're going to, we're going to pray. And God told us what to do. So we're going we're to do what God says. It's been phenomenal. And, uh, and, and you have been integral in that in, in a way in which you have, <laughs> they've never met you. They've only seen pictures, but uh, but they are they are impacted. So we're very we're very thankful for that. Yeah, I should comment on that just for a sec. Like it's amazing the way kids have responded to this. Like I can see it in our own church, the way they they've responded to it. Um, even letters that have come in from kids who are thankful Amen. for the stand, and and so it's it's really something to see, you know, how kids are responding and and how the Lord's going to use that, Lord willing, in the the years ahead. Yeah, I I had a little girl, I think for like two months, every Sunday she'd run up to me and she'd go, Mrs. Coates. And she's like three. <laughs> Captain so James funny. is out of jail. Oh my gosh. 
Amazing. That's so great. Yeah, but just, uh, we're super thankful for both of your families and just how you, you rallied. And I, I saw the pictures of you in your, with your dining room, with everything laid out all over the table and your wives were helping and your children were there. So uh, I know I speak on behalf of our boys when I say this, we are, we are very, very grateful to the Lord for um, your support and love of us. Cause you have never met us in person, but uh, you love us cause you love Christ. And so we're just really, really really thankful for that. So thank you. Yeah, Praise thank God. You. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, I mean, you, you know, it's funny cause you, you say like earlier when we were talking like off, off mic, we were talking about eschatology. Well, you better be bit. careful about what thing and, you talk about you what said, we were talking about. Okay. Cause there's a lot of things that were discussed. <laughs> yeah, we don't want ankles coming. <laughs> no, this is going to be very, <laughs> whoa, whoa, oh, no, no ankles. <laughs> no ankles. You were saying, Jesse. I was going to say, like, you, 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 you flippantly use the word our, like our eschatological. I'm like, no, no, maybe you shouldn't lump me in with you. But you could actually lump me in with, you know, both of our families and both of our sets of children have been ardently thinking of and praying for um, you guys for as long as we've attempted to be involved and uh lord willing when we see you guys at g3 we do have a little envelope of lemonade stand money for you guys um Aww. i did not know how to send that i was like <laughs> uh I we don't, don't I trust don't the canadian to... postal system that's what it is <laughs> like i don't know what to do with this but i don't worry we, still. we don't trust our nightstand. postal system either so <laughs> it is on my nightstand but but yeah i mean like i i remember i remember first telling first telling my kids about about what had happened and jameson my six-year-old boy like daddy that is just wrong the government shouldn't be they they're doing that to a pastor they're putting a pastor in jail you know and it's like it it upset this child's imago day moral compass you know and really furrowed the, my little boy's brow trying to figure out how that could happen yeah. you know and it's like i 100% agree like children have such an immense capability to understand what's going on and it it I, I truly believe it will change their faith and trajectory. I believe Amen. for the better, Amen. you know, as God sees fit, but yeah, absolutely. It has been a huge blessing. If you could, what would be your encouragement to uh, pastors in the U S and then even thinking about even Australia right now as their, their lockdowns are coming and even in your own country, what what is your encouragement for pastors in this time um, as they, as they face uh, no, lockdowns, not being able to meet together. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think this is an opportunity for us to be connected to the the generations that have gone before us. We can look back to the apostles. We can look back to the reformers. We can look back to men throughout history who have been tested and tried for their faith. And I think this is our time to to join them in their stand and and to see how we actually tether to our our theological heritage. And so, uh, I would just encourage men to be obedient. I mean, this is a wonderful time to walk in obedience to Christ. And it's just one step at a time. And of course, that's going to require dealing with your life personally and ensuring that you're walking in obedience to Christ personally in your heart, your mind and life, but, but also to, to be obedient in the context of ministry and your preaching in your shepherding, to be men of integrity and, and know that all of the obedience that's taking place in your life is, is, is going to be there and with you as you as you face some significant hurdles and have to overcome them trusting in the lord and putting one foot in front of the next and so you know we can 
to live as Christ and die as gain. We, we live for Christ in this life. And, and if that results in consequences, then we, uh, we're in good company. Mm. We're in the same company Amen. as John Bunyan, as you read earlier, the Apostle Paul, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so I would just encourage men to be faithful and, and make much of Christ and just herald him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. 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 And praise God. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else to say to that. That's just phenomenal. Um, if my mic weren't on a stand, I would drop it. Oh, you don't <laughs> drop the mic. Then what do you think? This is a high budget production. You can't just drop our microphones. What's wrong with you? What are you crazy? <laughs> yes. Uh, totally as an aside, this is our last question. It's a fun question. We, uh, for some reason, the media is obsessed with asking our presidents this question. Uh, so, uh, what is your guy's favorite ice cream? Oh man, that's a good question. You know what it is actually? Oh, he's got one. All right. Um, as you know, cheesy as this might be pralines and cream. Whoa. Baskin and Robbins wow. pralines and cream. You know, I'll, and, I'll, uh, I'll concede that. That's good. Yeah. It's a good choice. But I can throw more into the, to the mix too. I, I like my ice cream, although I like it a lot less now. Um, just because I have to like it a lot less now. But, <laughs> oh, but, wait, uh, why do you have to like it? You oh, know, I, I know why. I, I reached my sugar quota a little early in life. Um, oh, so, I didn't, did I not, oh. you didn't tell me. I don't how, did you, how did you, you know? The Lord tells you, the Lord tells you, the Lord lets you know. And, and, and he tells you, he, not audibly, but he just lets you know through providentially through your body. Oh, and amen. Responds to sugar. Oh, and okay. so I, I reached my quota early. So if you want to like, you know, not reach your quota early, spread out your sugar intake. Over I don't do that. Time, I, don't, I don't do that either. I don't do that. I'm going to see my body that. tried to give me uh, warnings <laughs> a long time ago and I just <laughs> blew right by them. Oh my gosh! Left them right back in the dust. There There goes my headphones. (laughs) Aaron, what's your favorite uh, flavor of ice cream? Uh, I don't really like ice cream. Actually, I prefer cheesies. You would not get voted for in the United States. Then I just want to be saying that 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 would be clear. You would not get voted for if you don't like ice cream. Did you just say cheesies? What are cheesies? (laughs) You don't know what cheesies are? I have no idea. That's a strange. I've never heard that word wow. before. Like Cheetos. Oh, oh Cheetos. Cheetos. Yeah, no, that's okay. a thing. Yeah, that's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> like cheesies. A Canadian word. Must be. I, yeah. See, we find stuff out like this all the time. Like we're, so, we're just yeah, talking in, to in people our in our short lifetime, they say things, and I'm like, what is that? When we start talking to people in New Jersey <laughs> in Canadian accents, because we talk to Canadians so much. Um, they wonder what's wrong with us. Uh, but yeah, cheesies. Okay. Cheetos. We love Cheetos. I, all right. Yeah. Phenomenal. I can get down yeah, with Cheetos. Crunchy, puffed. I just, okay. Yeah, you like them either way? Oh, right, yeah. Okay. If I did have to eat ice cream, it would be probably anything with like peanut butter cups in it or moose tracks. Yes. This has been a Canadian answer. We've had it before. Okay. Tracks, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's okay. No offense. We just, we found it very stereotypical, but when, uh, <laughs> she, <laughs> so, she did it to be fair. She didn't she say said peanut butter cups. The main tracks. ice cream with peanut butter cups is Reese's peanut butter cup flavored ice cream. No, that's not a thing. The main ice cream is Bruce tracks. It's moose tracks. Are you going to make me search this engine right now? <laughs> No, long before Reese's existed, Moose Tracks, you know, this is neither here nor there. Uh, this has been a phenomenal time. Um, how, and, and you've given us one prayer request. How can Grace Life, uh, w- praying for the direction of Grace Life as they figure out, I just can imagine. It exists. Briars makes it. 
No, I know it exists. We're done. We're talking about that. I'm moving on. Uh, I, I just can imagine. I, and I know when you when you say that, I just I see a a kind elderly woman that attended Grace Life when it was just a few hundred people, and she's looking around and she's saying, "There's a lot of people here now." I just I, I feel that. What is next for Grace Life? So that's a great prayer request. Um, what else can we be praying for you guys for? Well, because it's today and the announcement that came out today, I think, you know, we, we might be heading right back into round two of everything that we did last year. So, um, which just means that we're going to be tested at, at the level of our convictions and resolve all over again. You can certainly be praying for Tim Stevens because uh, this potentially impacts him in the short term uh, more so than anyone because of uh, his bail conditions that are currently in place. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, um, for us, it just comes down to whether we're going to be in a stare down with the government. If we're, if we're, um, able to continue on and do ministry as we have been doing it, then, then obviously accommodating the numbers that we have is critical, but, uh, but that's going to become a lesser issue pretty quick here. If we end up back in another lockdown, right, right. Excellent. Our faithfulness, I think, is is the biggest thing. Like through all of it, we just want to be faithful. We just want to hear "well done" um, when we see the Lord face to face. Amen. Yeah, just hmm. that we'd be faithful in everything, faithful with the stewardship God has given us. That's a good word. That's a good word. And uh, having said that, you've given us so much of your time. We are so grateful and thankful for you guys. Uh, we are very excited to actually like physically be able to hug you both. Uh, at G3. Gotta pull a Devin. Oh, yeah. Only, <laughs> no, no, you, 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 you're not even tall I promise. enough. I you're closer. I'm not as, I'm not as tall. I'm all of 5'8". I can't do anything like that. I'm tiny. I'm a small person. Yeah. Uh, but we will, we, we look forward to that at G3. Uh, we are so thankful that you were able to, uh, to join us here and share in this. And, uh, and you have been such an encouragement to us. So we are very grateful for you giving up some of your time tonight uh, to, to hang out with us. Uh, so we want to thank you. And before we go, as always, we want to encourage all of our listeners to seize, seize the, the faith. faith.